What a joy it is to worship God and to, to give him our all, to respond to him. For he truly is a faithful God and a good God. To be able to get out of ourselves and to think about his goodness and to corporately say, Lord, we love you. It's an honor and it's a privilege, amen. It's a good, good day to be able to gather together as God's people and to celebrate um, his kindness to us. And as a church, we have a lot to celebrate. Uh, the Lord has been at work in many ways this morning, just meditating on uh, how he's been at work in the life of this church, and I'm so thankful for that. Uh, many of you may not know, last Sunday we were able to have our first worship service um, uh, as a, a Hispanic ministry, amen. At uh, 2 o'clock last Sunday we had our first Hispanic worship service here in this sanctuary, and we had about 35 uh, individuals present. Uh, the Lord is at work. The Lord is at work. This week, the Lord uh, was at work in our community groups uh, that meet uh, four out of seven days. Uh, the Lord, he's at work. He was at work at uh, Woman's Choice Resource Center where we have a group of women who go and minister to women who are broken and uh, who need Jesus. The Lord was at work then. The Lord was at work on Saturday when we had a, a women's uh, fellowship and a time of worship, a time of praise, and, and uh, women experienced the power, the power of God in a real way. The Lord, the Lord is at work, and we just want to acknowledge that, and we want to praise him for that, and we want to join him in that work. We want to join him in that work. You know, I've been thinking pretty, pretty hard about What's missing at Forest Baptist Church? Because it just it feels and it seems like something is missing. And I think I finally found the answer to what's missing in this church. Now, some of you are going to agree with me, uh, disagree with me. You have a right to disagree with me, all right? Others of you are going to disagree with me, and you don't have a right to disagree with me. <laughs> uh, because I believe that I know what is missing in our church. Anybody know what's missing? You are. You are. Amen. <laughs> A lot of what's missing at Forest Baptist Church is you. Some of you are going to disagree with me. You have a right to disagree with me because you are present at Forest Baptist Church. And I'm not talking about on Sunday morning. I'm talking about you are using your God-given spiritual gifts for his glory. And others of you, you are missing at Forest Baptist Church, even though you may come Sunday after Sunday, because that's pretty much where it ends. It stops. It begins on Sunday morning, and it, maybe it ends for you on Sunday morning. So we're going to go into uh, continue our stewardship series, and we're going to talk about what's, what's missing in our church, and that is uh, every member of the body of Christ using their spiritual gifts for the Lord. And we're going to learn for the next two weeks about what spiritual gifts are and, and how God has given them to us and, and how we are to use them for his 
glory. And I believe that as we as individual members of the body of Christ and individual members of Forest Baptist Church, as we learn about spiritual gifts and as we say to the Lord, Lord, I give you all of me and walk in those gifts that God can use this church in a mighty way and that this church can go to a level that is higher than where it is right now. In order to do so, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you could stand with your Bibles in your hand, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11 this week. And then, Lord willing, next week we'll conclude the rest of the chapter. We've been talking about stewardship. We looked at how the Lord calls us to steward our resources, our money. We looked at how the Lord calls us to steward our time, to count, to number our days. And today we want to look at how God calls us to use our spiritual gifts with an S, spiritual gifts. What you hold in your hand is the very word of God. It's not a mere self-help book. Transformation, change comes as we submit ourselves to God's word. The majestic, matchless, wonderful word of God reads, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the spirit, the utterance of wisdom, and to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit, and to another, faith by the same spirit, to another, gifts of healing by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. You may be seated in the name of Jesus. Paul, chapter 12, verse 1, tells us that the reason he is now writing the church at Corinth in this section, which is chapter 12 through chapter 14, is that he does not want the church to be uninformed about spiritual gifts. In chapter 7, verse 1 of the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul begins to write the church at Corinth, this metropolitan church, the church that's in the middle of a city, a very lost city. And he is now writing in response to a letter or word that he received from a group of Christians telling him that the church at Corinth has kind of went wild. 
And they wrote and said, these are the things we're struggling with. And starting in chapter 7, Paul starts chapter 7, verse 1, said, now concerning these things. And now he's switching the subject, and he does the same thing in chapter 12, verse 1. He says, now concerning spiritual gifts. Because now he wants to teach them about spiritual gifts. And it's not that they were ignorant of them completely, as much as it was an issue of arrogance. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, the Apostle Paul compliments the church at Corinth. And he tells them that, he says, you guys are strapped. He says, the grace of God is on you. You have uh, all knowledge and you have received all wisdom from the Spirit of God. He says, you are lacking no spiritual gift. So they were a very gifted church. But they were a very confused church. It's possible to be gifted and confused. Gifted and divided. Gifted and messed up. And this was the church of Corinth. They had all of these gifts, all of these spiritual gifts, but they were not using it to God's glory. They were using it to their own glory. And it was chaos. Specifically, we see as we read chapters 12 through 14 that the main issue is, is that some people are exalting specific spiritual gifts over the rest of the spiritual gifts. And they're kind of making categories here and saying that the people who are most important in the body of Christ are people who are able to speak in tongue or speak a prophetic word. And Paul is saying, no, I want you to understand that spiritual gifts are given and that spiritual gifts are given in a very diverse way. And spiritual gifts are given in a way and for a purpose to bring unity to the body and not to divide. But this church, they were very arrogant, very arrogant, very into themselves. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul tells them in verse 6 through 7 again, he says, listen, he says, what do you have that you have not received? And since it was given to you, how are you boasting about it? In other words, he was telling them because they were very puffed up and very proud. In fact, they were even rejecting him as their pastor or church planner. They had big heads. They had all this knowledge, but they were not able to apply the knowledge. He's saying to you, wait a minute. If what you have received, it is a gift. It is from a result of God's unmerited favor, God's undeserved favor. The gifts that you have, the the ability to speak, the ability to preach, the ability to care. He says, it's not a result of your doing. It's a result of God's doing. And if God gave it to you as a gift, as grace, that's what gift means. All right. Grace, uh, charis, uh, spiritual gift, this word is is charismata. uh, Both are a gift from God. It's not just a spiritual gift, a gift that I get to unwrap and you know, it's a gift from God. Can't earn it. We don't deserve it. So he's informing them not because they are ignorant, (laughs) but actually because they're arrogant. And they're using their gifts to point to themselves and not 
to God. But if a spiritual gift is truly being used the right way, it is going to show off Jesus, not us. Because that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The role of the Holy Spirit is to show off the Son. The role of the Holy Spirit is to make much of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, but, but you all are making much of you, arguing who's better, Apollos, Paul. He said, no, 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 you point to man. So they were misusing it. So then we see in verse 2, he is warning them. He says, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute out idols, however you were led. See, when we are, uh, when they were Gentiles, they were led astray by idols. But he's warning them, letting them know, just because you're saved, it doesn't mean that you can't fall back into idolatry. A spirit of arrogance, a spirit of pride, will lead you astray back into former idols that you were in. And the the Lord is calling us as a church to to learn about spiritual gifts, but to be humble about them. To make sure that we, as, as the people of God, are not arrogant, but we are submissive to God's word. And to the people that God has put us in our lives to be submissive to. Now, sometimes we are like the church of Corinth, because we're hard to minister to. That's arrogance. Have you ever talked to someone who was hard to minister to? Their life is falling apart. Their world is crumbling. Things are not right with them. And and, and then you're talking to them, and you're trying to speak the word of God graciously to them, but it seems like it's just bouncing off, or they're completing your sentences. They're telling you, I already know that. The issue may not be an issue of head knowledge. It may be an issue of heart receptance. Because we can be like frogs. Frogs have big heads, but small bodies. All of us need to constantly look in the mirror and pray to the Lord and say, Lord, make me humble. Lord, help me to be easy to minister to so that I'm not led astray. And before I know it, I'm back following after gods other than Jesus. You know what the Proverbs warn us over and over and over and over again? The Proverbs constantly tell us that fools are hard to minister to. Fools are hard to correct. A foolish person does not take wise counsel. And Paul is saying, listen, I need you to be informed because you all are acting and looking foolish by not following the Holy Spirit. Then in verse 12, 13, he says, Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. And that's what was happening at the church of Corinth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, they are puffed up in pride. They have deflated egos. Everything is about themselves. And now they have allowed false teachers to come in amongst them. And these teachers are not preaching the cross. They are not preaching Christ and him crucified. But the Bible says that they were preaching with eloquence and they were preaching human messages, human words, human philosophies. 
And Paul is warning them and saying no one who is indwelled with the Holy Spirit is ever going to preach that Jesus is a curse or that Jesus does not matter. Only the Holy Spirit can get someone to confess that Jesus is Lord. And when it says say here, it's not men, uh, just say that Jesus is Lord. No, it's more of a confession that Jesus is Lord. Only the Holy Spirit can get someone to live with conviction and to believe and to, to, to that confession of faith that Jesus is Lord or Jesus is ruler of their life. So Paul sets it up. He says, I don't want you to be in a form. I want you to understand that if you truly are walking with God and if the Holy Spirit is inside of you, there's a confession that Jesus is Lord. There's a confession that, that points to Jesus and not to us. And then he's going to teach the Church of Corinthians. In verses 4 through 11, some important principles. He's going to inform them about some important things about spiritual gifts that we must know ourselves. The first is this, is that God has given you a spiritual gift. God has given you a spiritual gift. If you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. Verse 6, the latter part, says this, God who empowers them all in everyone. Verse 11, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 through 11. To each is given spiritual gifts. God gave gifts. He left apostles, teachers, and so forth. If you are a Christian, you have a spiritual gift. But let's talk about that. And What does it mean to be a Christian? Christian. A Christian is a person who has been supernaturally born again. A Christian is a person who has been overwhelmed with the free gift of God, which is salvation. They have looked upon the cross and the resurrection of Jesus with faith, and they place their hope in him. A Christian is not merely a churchgoer. Just like everything that you find in your shoe is not a foot, everything that's in the church or the church house, this building, is not a Christian. I find all kind of things in my shoes now that I have three kids, all right? Sometimes I go and I try to put my right at the tip. There's something in there. I pull it out. It's a car, right? That car is not a foot. Just like a person who comes to church regularly may not be a Christian. A Christian is someone who has supernaturally been invaded by God and who has experienced something that has made them, the Holy Spirit in a way, that it has made them a new creature. And now that Christian 
longs to know more about Jesus. That Christian, because the Holy Spirit is on the inside of them, is now longing to be around other Christians. That Christian now is learning to deny him or herself daily and to pick up that cross. Being a Christian changes the way you think. It renews your mind. Being a Christian changes the way you walk. It, it changes the places that you desire to go. Being a Christian changes the way you talk. Being a Christian changes where you want to hang out at. Being a Christian changes the way you suffer. Being a Christian is a supernatural thing. It's not a natural thing. You have to be born again. It's not just liking the things of God. It's not just liking to go to church. And it's not being morally acceptable. No, being a Christian means that you have been transformed to the point that now Jesus, Jesus means more to you. And even in the midst of that struggle, in the midst of that pain, so what does it mean to be a Christian? That's what it means to be a Christian. Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift. Now, what is a spiritual gift? A spiritual gift, using the language of Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7, is a, a specific manifestation. A specific manifestation that points to the Lord working through you. A spiritual gift is a specific manifestation or evidence that the Lord is working through you. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. There should be something specific about them that is pointing other people to the Lord, that is helping other people to enjoy the presence of the Lord, that is helping the church. It's a specific manifestation. So we would, we would call them in a natural way maybe talents. And we're going to get into that in a minute, some of the things that Paul lists as specific manifestations. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. Well, you say, I don't have a spiritual gift. Well, there's two responses to that. Number one, maybe you're not a Christian. You say, there's nothing in my life that points people to Jesus. There's nothing in my life that serves people. Then maybe you're not a Christian. Second, is maybe the problem is that you are a Christian, but you're not living in community. You're not in the good fight of faith with other Christians. Because our spiritual gifts are not just seen and determined by us. Our spiritual gifts are shown and experienced by others. Other people, the body of Christ, affirms in us what we often don't see. 
Recently, my wife asked, we were talking about spiritual gifts, and she said, uh, my, your spiritual gifts are X, Y, Z. And I said, uh, she said, right. And I said, I don't know, are they? Right? And I talked to her, I said, I think the body of Christ is the one, is, are the people who affirms it. And you have a gift of serving. When you serve people, you light up the room. And you have a gift of teaching. I know you feel inadequate when you teach, but let me tell you, when you teach that word, it is plain, it is clear, it is convicting. I am growing. But many of us, we don't know our spiritual gifts because we're not living amongst Christians the way that God intended us to live amongst Christians. God did not intend us to live our Christian life from Sunday to Sunday. God did not intend us to have our own little enclaves and our own little families and our own little lives and then we come together on Sunday and we kind of share a little bit about our lives and then we go about our week, the rest of our week, the way that we want to go about it. No, God saved us and called us with a specific intention, a specific purpose, and it is to go out into the nations, every ethnic group, and to make disciples fully committed followers of Jesus. And we do that together. So if you haven't discovered your spiritual gift yet, it's probably because you're not around Christians enough. And it may be because you're not serving. Every single Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And guess who gives them? God gives them. Look at the text. And not just God. A triune God. A triune God. That's what Paul says. Verse 4. Now there are a varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God. Paul just tells us that, that it is the same God who is the one who is giving these gifts. And he points to the Trinity. He says the same Spirit, that's the same Holy Spirit, the same Lord, that's Jesus Christ. He says the same God, that is God the Father. And look at the word he uses here. He says God who empowers them in everyone. God gives us spiritual gifts and then he empowers us to use them. Got a waffle maker at home that uh, I love. It sits really high in our kitchen and... uh, we seldom use it. Um, okay, my wife seldom uses it. I don't know how to make waffles, all right? <laughs> but I love that waffle maker. But that waffle maker does not work unless it is plugged in to a socket. The goodness of those waffles are not experienced unless it is plugged in to a source. It's the same way. God has given every Christian a spiritual gift. But Christian, your spiritual gift will not be experienced. Your spiritual gift will not be on display if it is not plugged in to the triune God. See, when it's plugged in to God, the people of God will experience. Look at this. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of service. 
I love how he does this, but the same Lord, the same Jesus. See, when we come to know Jesus, we come to know service. Because Jesus is a servant. We, you can't look upon the life ministry and ministry of Jesus and not be a servant. Because Jesus is a servant. But we can't serve unless we're abiding in Christ, John 15. Unless we're being connected and empowered to do so. That empowerment comes from seeking his face daily through his word. From spending time with him. From learning about him. Second, God gave you a spiritual gift to encourage the church. So God has given you a spiritual gift. God gave you a spiritual gift to encourage the church. Look at verse number seven. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Wait, wait, wait. For each is given the manifestation of the spirit so that they can feel good about themselves? No. For each is given the manifestation of the Spirit so that you can have your name called out in front of the church? No. For each is given the manifestation of the Spirit so that you can be a, a little celebrity at the church? No. No, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. What does the common good mean? The common good means uh, for the building up of the church. God has given us the Holy Spirit. Every Christian has the Holy Spirit. Every Christian is transformed by the work of the Holy Spirit, able to receive the good news of Jesus because of the Holy Spirit. Then the Holy Spirit, in turn, begins to work and to give us a spiritual gift a gift that is used for God's glory. And that's the difference between a mere talent and a spiritual gift. A talent is there whether or not you have the Holy Spirit or not, right? And a talent is used normally to make money or to show yourself off. No, God has given us his Holy Spirit as Christians so that we can encourage other Christians. Right? You ever hear somebody sing, a talented person sing a church song? And at the end of it, you're like, man, that's cute. That was cute. Or when they're done singing, you can hear, you point to their voice or how well they sing. But then you take that same song and you let someone who is empowered by the Holy Spirit, who loves Jesus, sing that song. After that person sings that song and it's their gift, you're not talking about the run that they made. You're not talking about how cute it was. You're talking about, girl, you sang Jesus ministered to me through that song. See, God gives us gifts to build up the body, to encourage the body. In fact, turn to me real quick to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. God has given you a gift to encourage, to edify the body of Christ, to be used in a way that builds up.
verse 11. This is Paul talking to the church at Rome. For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Do you see that? Paul says, I'm longing to see you, that I may impart to you, not, not give you a spiritual gift, but impart, impart my spiritual gift, use my spiritual gift to encourage you. And I'm longing to see you so that you can use your spiritual gift to encourage me. Encouragement. Encouragement is why God gave us that gift. I once was a father who was at home with his family on a Saturday morning, and it was a lazy Saturday, and his teenage daughter, who was a a great cook, um, and who loved to, to cook, was there with him, and he called her into the room. He says, daughter, I need you to go downstairs and to, to make the family some breakfast. And she said, Dad, I'm not hungry. He said, sweetie, I need you to go down the stairs and to make the family some, some breakfast. She said, I understand what you said, Dad, but I'm really not hungry. He said a third time. He said, I, I don't think you understand what I'm saying. I need you to go downstairs and to make the family some breakfast. He said, I didn't ask you whether or not you was hungry. Your ability to make breakfast is not contingent upon you wanting to make breakfast for yourself. (laughs) You should use that gift to serve your family. Uh, uh, God has given you a gift. And that gift is to encourage the family of God. That gift is to build up the church. And what's missing in many churches is the fact that we have Christians or believers who are not using that gift to build up the church. Or we use that gift when we know it's only going to serve us. I don't understand why. I don't understand why the church, an organism set apart by God, saved and sustained by grace, overwhelmed with the grace of God and, and, and who, see, and who see, saw what their Savior did on Calvary. I don't understand why, why people who say they love Jesus have to be begged to serve, have to be begged to use their gift for God's glory. Shouldn't have to beg. Well, you shouldn't have to beg you to do anything. You shouldn't have to beg me to do something. You shouldn't have to beg someone to serve God. Wait, we're talking about, that's your Savior. That's your King. That's your Lord. That's your Jesus who willingly served you. I'm so glad that I didn't have to beg Jesus to go on the cross for me. I'm so glad that I didn't have to. In fact, the Bible said that I was unable to because it says while I was yet a sinner, God demonstrated his love for me and that he died for me. Jesus didn't have to get begged to come from heaven to earth. Jesus did not have to get begged to live a pure life for us so that he could be our ransom. Jesus did not have to get begged to go from village to village and town to town to serve people, to heal the blind and to heal the sick. Jesus did not have to get begged 
to preach the gospel of good news. No, Jesus willingly did so. Why? Because he experienced the Father. He knew how good his Father was from eternity's past. He knew how loving his Father was from eternity's past. He knew that his Father was his keeper. He knew that the Holy Spirit was upon him to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. When you have experienced the grace of God, I shouldn't have to beg. Nobody should have to beg you to serve them when you're hanging out with the chief servant. Nobody should have to beg you to praise God when you know what he's done for you. Nobody should have to pump you up to lift up holy hands when you remember where you once were and who you once were. No one should have to coach you into coming to church on Sunday morning when you understand that you once was lost and now you're found. When you understand that grace reached down in a miry pit and brought you up and placed your feet on a solid ground. We shouldn't have to beg you to come and to open up a Bible for Sunday school and to pick up your Bible through the week when you understand that the book that you are picking up is about how God loves you in spite of you and how he sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world to save sinners like you and me. Once you've been changed, once you've been transformed, once you've tasted and saw that the Lord is good, something starts to turn up on the inside of you. You say, Lord, I just want you. Wherever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you want me to do, pastor, if it's going to help reach the lost, you can sign me up. Pastor, if it's going to help to edify the body, you can sign me up. Pastor, I don't have to get credit. I don't have to have my name on the plaque. Pastor, I just want to do God's will because one day I'm going to hear faithful servant. Well done. Faithful servant, well done. I remember what it was like to be a stranger. I remember what it was like to live my life completely for my own advantage. I remember what it was like to spend a Saturday night drunk and wake up the next morning not even really understanding or knowing where I am. I remember what it's like to use people for my own advantage. <laughs> and I know that it was nothing but the grace of God that came and got me. And I know that now there's some things that's in my life that cannot be changed or transformed but by the grace of God. why I serve That's why we love them. That's why we sing all to you. Encourage. Hebrews 10, 25, encourage. Do not forsake the gathering together of belief. not forsake to assemble together. He says, but come together to encourage one another, even the more as you see the day drawing near. 
says, even the more as you see wars and rumors of wars, say, even the more you need to come together with believers. Why? In order to build each other up. Oh, we stay in such a twisted world, such a twisted society. We stay in such a, a broken world, and we need encouragement. We need to be reminded that God is on the throne. We need to be reminded that he is sweet. We need to be reminded that he is a bomb in Gilead. We need to be reminded that he is in the fiery furnace with us. We need to be reminded that he will never leave nor forsake us. We need to be reminded that we're not the only person to go through what we're going through. We're not the only person to lose a a loved one. We're not the only person to lose a job. We're not the only person to not be liked or loved. And that's why we come together as a body to remind each other of the goodness of God. And that may not happen through the preached word. That may not happen through a song being sung. That may happen by that mother coming up to you and just giving you a hug and reminding you that Jesus loves you. That may happen by God giving you an on-time word, an on-time encouragement to speak into someone else's life. That may happen by God using the gifts that you... That may be happen by you standing at the door as an usher, opening the door and saying, good morning. So do not forsake the assembling together. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, which causes us to cry out, Abba, Abba, Father. Lord, the whole earth is groaning. It is waiting for your return. And likewise, God, we are groaning. We we long for your return. We long for the day where sin is no longer present. We long for the day, Father God, where we don't have to make ends meet. We long for the day, Father God, where we have complete peace in your presence. But Father God, we know that until then, until that day that you have given us each other, that you have given us the body of Christ, Lord, to help us to bear those burdens. Thank you, Father God, that you did not leave us as orphans. In fact, you told your disciples it is better that you, Jesus, that you go back home to be with the Father because the Holy Spirit was coming, and that Holy Spirit was going to build up the church, Lord. It's going to build up believers. So help us to know, Father God, that within each of us, you have given us a precious gift. It should be used to build up. Upon this rock, I built my church, you said. Upon the confession of the gospel, you have built your church. And you build your church through your people, preaching the gospel to each other, living the gospel out every day. Help us, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.